And so in 2018, I say like life intervened and I had what I call like the triple whammy. I had um, my career, like the role I was in shifted and I was no longer going to be in that role. And I'd, I had the most amazing team. Like it was one of those magical experiences where like everybody just meshes and it was beautiful. Anyway, and that was like a shock to the system. And then our fur kid, Dookie, who had been with us for nine years at that time, we don't have any human children. So he was pretty much my kid. Um, we found out he was terminal with cancer and given literally weeks to live. And that just sent my health into a spiral. I ended up on stress leave. I couldn't keep a coherent thought. Like for someone who uses her brain all the time, it was, it was the most surreal and scary experience I think I've ever had. Um, and it just like, it shook me. It shook me to my core. And I realized I can't keep doing what I'm doing. Like things have to change. And I, I needed to stop planning and actually taking some action and making some decisions that would that would actually support me and my family moving forward. And so with that, and I'm a planner, and you know, I like to plan things out, I like to everything. But over the course of that summer, in three months, we decided to sell our home, like 80% of our possessions. We often hear people wishing us a long, happy and healthy life. But what if the length isn't what matters most? What if instead, it's the breath, depth, and purpose of each day that matters most? Welcome to the Live the Width of Your Life podcast. My name is Annette Ardellian-Kuzma, and join me weekly as I interview guests who made changes in their own lives to live more fully with intention, gratitude, and joy. Be prepared to be inspired by their stories of how they shifted their mindset, took courageous action, and designed the life that they always wanted to live. Today's guest is Lisa Broom. Lisa is a chartered professional accountant and money mentor for women who want to experience greater abundance for themselves, their families, and their mission in the world. She loves helping women create mindful money flow and expand their capacity to receive wealth in a way that is authentic and aligned to who they are and what they truly desire. Drawing on over 15 years of professional experience as a chartered professional accountant and over two decades of in-depth financial study and her work as a certified mindset coach, Lisa has created a framework that allows women to transform their relationship with money and create wealth with ease and flow. Lisa loves exploring her home on Vancouver Island with her husband, hiking, paddleboarding, and searching for the next bottle of great wine. Welcome to the show, Lisa. I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you so much for having me. I am really excited to be here as well. Oh my gosh. And I was actually in anticipation of today's discussion. I was thinking through when we met and I think it was either the end of 2019 or it was right beginning of 2020 before COVID. Oh my gosh. Yes. I think it was right. Like it was right before COVID. Um, yeah. And we were in Florida together when like the lockdown started. It was so eerie. Do you remember that? I do. I do. So we met, I think, through a coaching program we were both doing. And then we were in person. And I remember thinking, do I go to Florida? This was like March 17th or something. It was the weekend, literally the day I flew back the very next day was the lockdown. And I'm in the States, you're in Canada. And, um, and I loved meeting you in person, although we met through some group coaching before that. But it was one of those things where I don't know that we knew 
that everything was shutting down, including the hotel we were staying in, the city of Orlando, everything like at that moment, like the next day. <laughs> yeah, it was so crazy to be in this big, beautiful hotel. And it's like, we're getting ready to pack up to go to the airport. And it's like quiet. There's like nobody around, right? And same thing in Canada. I got back and it was like immediate, <laughs> immediate quarantine. I was like, what, wait, what? I can't go to the grocery store. What's going on? It was so like surreal. It was. And the thing that I found was so interesting is we were all there working on like strategic planning. We were looking to grow our businesses. We were talking about, in my mind, I had everything written down for what 2020 would look like. And then I feel like I could have just set fire to it afterwards. Oh I didn't gosh. do that. I put it on the shelf and said, I will revisit this at a later time. But in a matter of a day or two, everything changed in our world. It was so crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. It was definitely a unique time. Oh, my gosh. So um, for those that aren't familiar with your story, I would love for you to just spend a couple of minutes maybe talking a little bit about your journey of, you know, where you were, how you got to the place that you're at today. And um, I think that ties into how you and I met also. Absolutely. Yeah, no, happy to share. So I'm a CPA here in Canada by trade. So I spent, oh my gosh, probably 12 years in industry working in corporate finance, big companies. Sometimes I loved it. Sometimes not so much. Um, <laughs> it, it definitely though was a, I put a lot of pressure on myself to do well. And so there was a lot of, a lot of stress <clears throat> that, um, that I put on myself. And so that started to wear on me for sure. And I've always had this love of personal finance, like I'm a big reader. So like, I think I picked up my first personal finance book at the age of 16. I've always loved numbers. Like it was, it was just fun. I just enjoyed reading them. And so I started sort of doing that on the side as something fun to do, to take me away from like the work that wasn't so much fun anymore and really enjoyed it, but like had no idea what the heck I was going to do with it at that point in time. Um, and so, you know, kept making plans. Yeah. One day, one day, one day I'll do something with this. Um, and then in 2018, I would say life intervened in quite mm -hmm. a dramatic way. I can be fairly stubborn. And um, I realized now I kept sort of moving the goalposts on when mm -hmm. it would be okay or when I could give myself permission to either take a break from the corporate world or maybe shift my career. And so in 2018, I say like life intervened and I had what I call like the triple whammy. I had um, my career, like the role I was in shifted and I was no longer going to be in that role. And I'd, I had the most amazing team. Like it was one of those magical experiences where like everybody just meshes and it was beautiful anyway. And that was like a shock to the system. And then our fur kid Dookie, who had been with us for nine years at that time, we don't have any human children. She was pretty much my kid. Um, we found out he was terminal with cancer and given literally weeks to live. And that just sent my health into a spiral. I ended up on stress leave. I couldn't keep a coherent thought. Like for someone who uses her brain all the time, it was, it was the most surreal and scary experience I think I've ever had. Um, and it just like, it shook me. It shook me to my core. And I realized I can't keep doing what I'm doing. Like, things have to change. 
and I, I needed to stop planning and actually taking some action and making some decisions that would that would actually support me and my family moving forward. And so with that, and I'm a planner, and you know, I like to plan things out, I like to everything. But over the course of that summer, in three months, we decided to sell our home, like 80% of our possessions, we decided, you know, as Dookie did pass that summer, um, and I began the most painful healing journey I'd ever been on up to that point in my life, I recognized that I needed to physically have some distance from where we were. And so it had always been a dream of ours to travel um, for mm-hmm. like more than two weeks at a time. We've done, we've done a lot of travel up until that time, but never extended. And so we took that as an opportunity to travel. And we spent nine months um, in various countries exploring. Again, not all planned out at the beginning. We knew our first couple of countries and that was pretty much it. So it was, it was very much out of mine and my husband's comfort zone. Um, but it was also exactly what, what we needed at that time. And so it was when we came back from that that you and I, that you and I met. Oh my goodness. I just remember hearing that. And, um, the idea seemed like I romanticized it and I thought, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Leave for nine months, travel the world. So there was a part of me that absolutely wanted to do the exact same thing as you. And then the other part that I also think you have this part of you that was like, wow, you just, how do you just sell everything and just, you know, get rid of everything and release any attachments if you have any. So um, was it hard to decide to get rid of 80% of your possessions? Or did you also always live like a very sort of, um, what do they call it a minimalistic lifestyle? Um, I wouldn't have called us like super minimalist by any means, but we definitely we definitely do like to live fairly simply. Although after being yeah. in our house for nine years, it's amazing what you can accumulate even when you're right. not really trying, which is what yes. I realized. Um, the physical stuff, no, wasn't as hard. For me, it was, it was actually incredibly therapeutic as I was giving mm. hospice care to my dog and being on stress leave. It actually like, yeah. it was like this therapy for me to be purging and releasing these things that I knew I didn't mm-hmm. need. And in between, you know, the emotions of everything, it gave me something tangible to do. And so it was literally a lifeline. Because we were getting ready to sell the house, that was also, you know, like, okay, well, we don't need all this stuff. And at the time when we were thinking of leaving, we didn't even know if we were going to come back. Um, We Mm. thought maybe I'd, you know, pursue my career in another country. You know, we'd always thought of living overseas. So we had that Mm -hmm. mindset. And thinking, well, if we don't come back or we just come back temporarily, like, what the heck are we going to do with all this stuff? So instead of storing yeah. it, we released it. We, we sold some. We gave some away. We donated. Like, we did a bunch of different things. But, yeah, it was – I mean, it definitely wasn't always easy, for sure. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was incredibly therapeutic. Mm-hmm. What are some of the kinds of things that you hung on to then? So – I can imagine that, you know, we accumulate things, as you said, without even being always aware of it. But what did you say? No, I absolutely either have to hold on to this or I really want to hold on to these things. Oh, I love that question. Um, (laughs) I have. So we have some artwork that we've gotten from our various travels. So we've definitely held on to that. Um, I have 
this tea mug from Spain that was hand painted. It's ceramic that I've always loved. Mm. And then when mm-hmm. you travel in a backpack for nine months, like the stuff that really matters, like you start to notice. Yeah. And yeah. so really it was, it was a mattress, like one mattress that was the same firmness all the time. I certainly missed that when I traveled. And then my tea mug, <laughs> there's something about this yeah. tea mug. Like it was like, it was made for me. And when I have a nice cup of tea in it, it's just like my whole body relaxes. Um, and so I would say, yeah, like our paintings and my tea mug are probably what I miss, what I, what I wanted to hold on to the most. And, and when we traveled, yeah. they were, they were the things that I, I guess missed the most where we were gone. Right. I love that. I think that it's works of art, things that are beautiful, that you have some sort of an emotional response to when you're, of course, the mattress is very important because <laughs> I'm obsessed with sleep as well. <laughs> But um, so nine months. And so how did you how did you begin? How did you know where you wanted to start? Did you you said you planned some of it, but not all of it. So what how did that just naturally unfold? Oh, yes. So as we were talking about where we wanted to go, um, we had been to South America in the past and had really enjoyed Ecuador. And so um, we wanted to start in, well, originally, actually, the plan was to just spend nine months in South America. We were going to do, I think it was three months in Ecuador, three months in Chile, and three months in Argentina. The accountant in me is like, you know, it's cheaper to travel down there. (laughs) Again, it was sort of short notice plans. We were going to be using some of our house money that we got from selling the house to travel and that sort of stuff. So I was like, you know, we could could do it, you know, fairly, fairly, not cheaply, but reasonably. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the plan was at the beginning, so we started with Ecuador and the plan was to spend three months in Ecuador. And, uh, and so we were like, great, we'll, we'll spend nine months in South America, explore, you know, do that thing and then come home. Well, mm-hmm. three weeks after being in Ecuador, we realized, oh, we don't actually want to be here for three months. So it was so interesting, Annette, because it is very different to go to a country on vacation versus go to a country and like we rented an apartment, we were going to the grocery store, like we were living in Ecuador and I still love Mm -hmm. Ecuador. Like it's a beautiful country. I definitely want to go back. But for us, the energy just wasn't right for for a place we might want to settle and certainly not for three months. So we were like, Oh no, what do we do now, right? If this is not what we're going to do. And so first like uh we scrambled a little bit and then I was like, you know what? It's okay. Like we have this apartment for as long as we want it. Um but then we started to realize, you know, we're ready to explore. And so what ended up happening is it evolved over time, but my husband will loves to explore. He's like the go 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 guy. And I like a nice mix. Like I can curl up with a book and a glass of wine, even in a foreign country yeah. and be in bliss. Yeah. So right. for me, I needed that mix. And so after mm-hmm. being somewhat stationary in Ecuador, we decided, well, let's like really explore Chile. And we did. I mean, we didn't see it all by mm. any means, but I mean, it's, just, it's tight, like this long, long country, right? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of airplanes, but we did. We got to experience a lot of it. And then we realized, okay, now it's time for a little break. So we spent a little bit of time in Argentina. And then we'd always had a dream of going to New Zealand. And so like, it just, it sort of evolved. Like every time we got to another country, we were like, okay, you know, we want to experience this, but then what's next? 
Um, and then again, the synchronicities of life showing up. We ended up in New Zealand next where we did the camper van thing um, and just saw the country. Such a gorgeous country. Reminded me a lot of Canada, actually. Um, and then from there, Australia, where we were able to house and pet sit and like this, it, it just, it just flowed so beautifully. Um, but, but yeah, so the original plan, not what actually ended up happening. <laughs> well, and I love that you were flexible enough and also reflective enough to say, Hey, this isn't going to best serve us. So how can we adjust? Uh, were there, and it sounds like you and your husband were on the same page most of the time. I mean, I don't know what that would have been like if you weren't for nine months, but you know, um, how were you guys able to sort of be on the same page and decide when you would move from one place to another? Um, I wouldn't say we were always on the same page by any means. <laughs> there was definitely yeah. compromise and, and balancing. Um, like I yeah. probably could have stayed and just chilled in Ecuador a little bit more, um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I was coming from a serious burnout from work, the grief of yeah. lo losing Duke. Um, Will obviously was also grieving, but didn't have the work aspect. Like his mm -hmm. work had not been as stressful. So like I could have probably chilled a little longer, but the poor yeah. guy was going stir crazy. And I could see that. And I, I wanted sure. him to be enjoying our travels too. And so it was a lot of like open communication, being honest with each other. Um, and then it was give and take, like him, like wanting to explore, explore Chile was, was really Will's idea and initiative. So we ran with that. And then we were both actually after that, like, okay, it's time to chill. So when we got to Argentina, we literally, what was it? Four or five days we spent in Mendoza and we thought we'd like go around, see the different vineyards. Well, it turns out this beautiful boutique hotel we were staying at, had this gorgeous pool and had a wine cellar full of wines from all over. So we literally didn't leave the hotel for five days. Like we just like decompressed. And so we learned a lot about ourselves as well as we were traveling. And so really, yeah, it was, it was a lot of open communication and then being willing to try things that, you know, maybe I would have been like, Oh, I don't really need to do that. But real, real really wants to. So, okay. I'm going to do it. And then half the time I would really, really enjoy it. So it worked out really well. <laughs> That's great. So what did you, uh, what did you learn about yourself? What were some of the things that uh, were either surprises or maybe you just reinforce something you already knew? Mm. So in terms of surprises, um, like I had, I had put a lot of meaning and my worth into my work. And in stepping away from that, I realized how easy it was to step away from that and go like, huh, there is so much more to life, so much more to life than work. Um, and work had become quite all consuming. It felt super important. And I'm not saying, you know, accounts don't do important work, but, but I had completely like, I'd given it way too much meaning in terms of like my overall life. And so that was, it was a bit of a surprise that I had done that. Like even before we traveled, I remember we were getting the house ready to sell and like I'm home. Right. And so like I'm chatting with my neighbors. I'm like, Oh my God, like I really haven't gotten to know my neighbors. I had fantastic neighbors. I knew a couple, but like a few of the others. And I was like, we've been here nine years. And like, this is the most conversation I've ever had with my neighbors. So like things like that, I was like, whoa, like Lisa, your priorities have like completely gone out of whack here. And so that was, that was a bit of a surprise um, for me. And then I would say also like 
I, 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 it reinforced, I prefer a slower pace um, than, than the life I was living. It was very busy. It was very full. There was so much beauty in it for sure. Like I'm not saying it was all like stress and anxiety, but, but my natural way is slower and, and that environment I had put myself in, I, I was not giving myself permission to slow down. So that was the other one. Those are amazing lessons. And it made me think of, you know, sometimes when we're running so hard and you finally get to sit down at the end of the day or maybe on the weekend. And then when you're finally sitting in that quiet space and of rest, you realize just how tired you really are. Like we're either just like, you know, it's adrenaline or it's cortisol pumping through our body nonstop and travel takes you away from some of those, um, our familiar settings and the things that we could occupy our time with, right? Like you're still there. So you, you're traveling, but the surroundings are so different. So do you feel like travel does that? It just allowed you to become more aware of things that were probably always there, but maybe we just didn't, you didn't have the time to notice it before. Absolutely. And now that you say it, exhaustion was a big part of it. I had no idea how tired I was until mm -hmm. I took that step back. Like, I mean, yes, jet lag does a little stuff to you, right? When you, sure. depending on where you're going, but like, I didn't realize how exhausted I was. I didn't realize how far I had pushed my body past what it actually like felt good. So like, it wasn't probably until we were probably even a month, month and a half into our travels that I started to feel like myself in a way, like, like you said, like I had no idea how exhausted I actually was. Cause that had literally become, it calibrated to my new normal. And when we traveled, I was able to recognize that, whoa, no, I don't want that normal anymore. Yes. And, um, you know, one other thing you said that made me think of, um, how often we do things that we feel like we should be doing rather the things that we want to do. And um, so I wondered if at any point during your trip, when you're in Argentina, for example, where you're like, oh, my gosh, there's all these wineries and we should be visiting them or we should go here. Or we should do that. And instead you said, no, actually, I'm quite content to sit by this beautiful pool and sip this amazing wine. Let it come to me. Like, did you struggle at all with your shoulds on travel versus like what you really want to do? Oh, my gosh. Yes, it was a constant like oh my gosh, we're in this country. We don't know when we'll be back. We should do this, this, and right. this, right? <laughs> and, and Chile was a great example of that. And it taught us like, okay, there'll be more times. We don't have to try and yeah. see it all. Um, mm -hmm. And so we were able to slow down a bit from there, but absolutely. Like, yeah, like, like we, I, I was starting to really learn to listen to my body. Mm. It had been speaking really loudly before, but I was finally starting yeah. to actually listen and pay attention. And so, yeah, my brain was like, oh my gosh, we could do all these things. And body's like, just chill, like just <laughs> chill. <laughs> but yes, the shits, they kept coming. And so it was a matter of like filtering them through and be like, whoa, hang on. So yeah, now I'm very mindful of when the shoulds show up in my brain because it's like, ooh, I don't think so. I don't think that needs to happen, right? Like- so, yeah, absolutely. Are there, um, so that sounds like that's a lesson that you were able to bring back um, into life post travels. Um, so anything else that any other lessons that, 
you were epiphanies that you had while you were, you know, sort of away from your traditional home setting and in this new exploratory phase? Yeah, as as you're asking, what comes to mind is like, I had literally made money like the decision making factor in my life. Oh, tell me more. Tell me more about that. So like, as we traveled, I realized like, first of all, we could have done it sooner. So I had to let that go Mm -hmm. because I could have beat myself Mm -hmm. up on that. And then I recognized like I had literally been moving the goalposts. It was like, it was like there was never enough. It was like I never felt comfortable or safe enough for for me and Will and I to do what we actually want. We've been talking about a sabbatical for several years. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been talking about maybe traveling more, moving overseas, and I did a ton of analysis, but I never I never took steps and I realized it was because I was looking at it all through a purely financial lens and I was never like being willing to take a step back and be like, could we do it now? Like, what is it I'm trying to, 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 to accomplish here? Or like, what, what is it that I think I need from this certain amount of money to make this happen? And if, if, if everything that happened with Duke passing and my health and everything had taught me, it was like, life is short. We don't know. We don't know how long we have. Like, I truly believe we can we can beautifully balance each of us in our own unique way, the now and the future when it comes to like our finances and planning and things like that. But I was so focused on the future. I literally had stopped living in the now. Oh my gosh, that's such a key point. And something that so many of us um, struggle with. And I, f- I think it's interesting that you got to the point where you're like, oh, we're going to travel and oh by the way we're going to donate or sell 80% of our possessions we're going to release our home and just return back to what's for certain this body this relationship right this moment in time um my husband and i always um a lot often i would go back to when we first got married we lived in new york city and we had a like a one bedroom apartment and i remember some of our best memories were things that we did for free right things that like on the weekend, you'd go into the city and just explore window shop or maybe get a cup of coffee or just walking around or, you know, share a slice of pizza and a half a chicken roll together, like Mm -hmm. little things that used to bring us such joy and happiness, right? And in that moment in time, it was good. It was it was good exactly the way it was. We didn't need all this other stuff. So what point during your travel, because so you started off thinking, shorter period of time, you then were gone for nine months. How did you know that you're, it was time to come back to Canada? Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, like I said, when we first started out, we weren't even sure we were coming back to Canada. Right. And so I think it first started to hit us in New Zealand. It, it was both of our first times. It had been top of my like bucket list of travel, if you want to call it that. And yeah. And we get there and it's beautiful. Like it's gorgeous. And I'm like, so is Canada. Like we have a lot of this in Canada too. And it was like, my eyes were open. I'd been so focused on traveling outside of my own country that honestly, I think I've seen more of New Zealand than I have of Canada, if I'm being completely (laughs) honest. Um, 
And like, it really started to wake up my eyes. And then we, from New Zealand, we went to Australia where we did a lot of house and pet sitting. So like we were like living in Australia and I'd been there mm-hmm. twice before. I love that country, the people, the energy, like it just, it warms my heart. And I had thought as we started on our travels that we might end up there. And as we're, and it no longer fit, like it no longer fit. I could appreciate it for what it was, but it no longer fit. And so I would say it started in New Zealand. And then we spent like three months in Australia. So that gave us plenty of time to explore and also for me to go inward too. And we both recognized that, you know, we actually missed Canada. We missed Mm -hmm. and and we really were able to appreciate um, what it was for us and and why it was important for us to to make our way home. Um, And so we did eventually make our way home. Um, but yeah, I think it started in New Zealand when I was like, oh my gosh, like absolutely all these other countries are amazing, but we have beautiful places in Canada too. And then I was like, and beautiful places where I'd want to live, you know? And so that sort of got the ball rolling. Cause up until then I'd lived in the prairies, um, think lots of snow and cold in the winter, lots of extremes. And then I moved (laughs) to the Rocky mountains in Alberta but I worked so much. I mean, we hiked, but other than that, like I didn't explore a ton, but again, mm-hmm. winter, the snow thing, I know I'm Canadian, but my preference is less <laughs> is more when it comes to the yeah. snow. And so, yeah, we ended up working our way all the way to uh, the West coast and you can't get much more West than Vancouver Island, which is where we ended up settling. So yeah, it was really fascinating because I was not expecting that when we started. I thought we're going to mm-hmm. find another country and that's where we're going to settle. And instead of like, oh my God, I need to go home. It's like uh, the shepherd and the alchemist, right? He ends up coming back home to where he started yeah. after uh, traveling the world. And sometimes we find our treasure much closer to home. Um, so, but you did move to Vancouver Island, which is not where you lived before. So what was that like to just decide, okay, here we go. We travel lighter now because we have fewer things. So um, did you move the year of COVID or when did you guys move to Vancouver Island? Oh my gosh, <laughs> the adventures continue. So yeah, we got back <laughs> to Canada July 2019. And we didn't know yet where we wanted to settle. We knew we wanted to be West Coast, um, but didn't know exactly where. And so again, it was so beautiful. We were really learning to trust Um, And so we put out feelers, my family's in Winnipeg, Manitoba. And so, you know, we were going to land there and then see where we could find a place furnished that we could rent for a little bit. Turns out my aunt had a house um, like two, like five minute drive from where my parents lived, (laughs) where we could, where we could stay. It was beautiful, furnished. Um, And so we ended up, that was sort of like our temporary home base. And then we took some trips out West. And so we ended up in, for those of you who maybe are a little familiar, British Columbia is our most Western province in Canada. And um, there's a beautiful area called the Okanagan where lots of our wine and fruits, like it's a gorgeous area. And so we went and we explored there and it is, it's a fantastic area, but something Will and I got really good at on our travels is like feeling the energy of a place. I know it might sound a little woo woo, but like, you know, some like for example, New York City, like tons of energy, right? Like it's just like you can just feel it when you get into the city. Um, and so we started to really pay attention to the energy of places and what felt good for us. And so absolutely, the Okanagan is a beautiful place. It just didn't fit for us. 
Um, and so then we came out another time, we came out to Vancouver Island. So those were like our two sort of, we thought top places. And so ironically, we came to Vancouver Island in winter, which is like rainy season. So we do, we do get some snow, but mostly it's a lot of rain. And so I was like, good, let's go when it's like the worst weather and see what we think. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And we got here and it just, for me, it felt like home. Like there's no other way for me to put it. The energy of it, the beauty, um, it's not as densely populated as other places in Canada, lots more space, like just like, and, and nature just abounds here. And so after that trip, we were like, okay, that's it. Um, and that was, so that was December, 2019 before COVID. Right. So then we're like, okay, we're ready. Let's go. And then of course the whole world shuts down. It's like, (laughs) So then I must have must have meant to be because then Will got to experience his first Winnipeg winter. And I got to tell you, it was one of the coldest ones they'd had in a while. Oh, gosh. Um, so, you know, he can check that off. His, I don't think it was on his bucket <laughs> list, but he can check it off. Um, and so, yeah, we actually ended up like it was this crazy thing because we couldn't go out and see places. So we ended up like FaceTiming, looking at apartments. And like it was it was a time where we really had to like use and stretch our faith muscles because we like we know this is meant to be this feels so good and yet with everything going on in the world we have no idea how or when or anything so we ended up finding this amazing apartment complex they like facetime videoed us the apartment and we're like yes we love it we'll take it and so in the summer of 2020 so like it was kind of like in between i think it was in between waves when things sort of opened up a little bit here in canada and will just got this like intuitive nudge. He's like, we got it. Like it's going to go down in the summer and then chances are it's going to go back up. So we got to go in the summer. I was like, okay, let's do this. So again, we didn't have a lot of stuff. We, we packed a little U-Haul trailer to pull behind our Jeep. And, yeah. but we were literally going like across the country. Um, wow. I, how far is it? How many miles? Know. Yeah. Or oh kilometers, God. right? I think. How many hours? Let's do hours. What's okay, the easiest? Let's do hours. 24 hours of driving. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. 24 hours of driving. That's a lot. Get from, yeah. Like, so literally the middle of the country to like the West coast, <laughs> you got to take a ferry to get onto the islands. So yeah. It's 24 hours wow. of driving. So we did it yes. over a number of days, obviously, but yeah, it was, it was so surreal. Cause you never really knew, like, depending on where you rocked up, like, can we eat in the restaurants? Is it takeout only? Let's, so it was, right. it, was quite the, it was quite the adventure going cross country <laughs> in the middle of COVID. But now you're there, and does this still feel like home? Oh, yes, yes. Um, more so, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes a while for the brain to adjust. It's got to learn new way, like, where's your favorite grocery store and, and yeah. coffee shop and stuff like that. So the first six months, like, there's a lot of rewiring going on. It's pretty exhausting. But uh, but now that we're here, absolutely love it. Still feels like home. Um I think, I think it'll always be home, even if, you know, we do pack up and travel some more at some point, but yeah, this is definitely home. Well, Darrell and I definitely want to visit. It's on our list. So yes, Yes. (laughs) Uh, we'll plan that. Um, So Lisa, in addition to all this other stuff, I mean, the way you and I met was because we were both launching our businesses. So you've had all this change that was happening. And at the same time, you came back. Did you work at all on your business while you were traveling? Or did you just start everything when you came back to Canada? 
So I'd been dabbling before our travels, but I, I really was intentional about not like, cause I didn't know where yeah. I wanted to go. Like, again, I'd been dabbling on the side while I had my corporate mm-hmm. career. So when we traveled, it was really important, especially at the beginning to not even think about it. Like my brain would try and go there and be like, stop, stop. Right. So, I mean, you know, I'd still have conversations with family or friends because yeah. I, I love to support, especially women when it comes to like mm-hmm. financial awareness and understanding and making really empowered decisions. But, but I wasn't looking really at anything. I was like, I need to give myself this time, this space to, to just take a step back. And so it wasn't until we got back to Canada that I was like, okay, like, you know, what do I want to do? But mm-hmm. I didn't force it, which was really important because in the past I'm I'm a forcer. I'm a I make a decision. I'm like, okay, let's go, and I'll like bulldoze yeah. to make it yeah. happen, which I realize is not always healthy for my body. Mm-hmm. And so you know, it took the summer to just to just ease in and spend time. Like again, so much of my family was there. I hadn't seen them in quite a while, and so it was time to reconnect. And I love farmers markets, and I love you know trying things in the kitchen. So it was a lot of nourishing and nourishment over the summer, which was super powerful. And then I got at the, I think the catalyst that started it was my mom's a, uh, a life coach and she focuses on self-love, which is Mm -hmm. so powerful and so needed in this world. Anyway, her and my sisters wanted to put together this retreat called soul food for women. And they'd done one while I was gone. And they're like, Lisa, you should do something. I was like, "Mm." Like I'm like this introvert over here behind my computer doing my stuff. I was like, what? What? No. They're like, yes, yes, yes. So I was like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. It's, you know, it's my mom, it's my sisters. And it's this beautiful group of women. Like I think we were, there were 10 women who came and um, I don't even remember what it was called, but anyway, I shared and then I shared my story um, Mm -hmm. and everything that had happened. And, and they were just like so grateful and so appreciative and I was like, yeah. and I was so lit up. I was like, oh my God, like, this is what I want to do. I want to help women. Yeah. Like, I don't always remember or realize how much I know because I've been yeah. in the world of finance for so long and I've like been entrenched in all this, all these things that when you speak to others who that's not like their career or their, you know, areas of interest, like how, how much I can give. And so I was like, oh my God, like, this is the kind of stuff I want to do. I don't want to go back to like quarter ends and reporting. <laughs> so I was like, no, 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 no. This is what I want to do. And so I think that was the spark. And then I was like, okay, I've got the time and the space. I ran some numbers. We're living a very minimalist life. But remember, like we didn't plan any of this. So it's not like I had like three years of savings put away. Like, and then I hear your story and I'm like, it sounds so graceful and like, so like, you know, like planned. And yet I know had I tried to plan it, I never would have taken the steps. So like everybody's different, right? right? And so I just remember going, you know, like this is part of my journey is to is to relax Mm -hmm. and learn to trust and know that like the things I've done and the things I'm doing, that it's all gonna work out. May not look like what I think it's gonna look like, but it's all gonna work out. And so so yeah, that was the catalyst. Um, and then I think I joined that coaching program and I think it was December of 2019. And then, I mean, that was really the start of me getting super serious about, about shifting into that, that business and and a shift in my career. And I love what you do. I know you have such a passion for finance and you've brought that into your business. 
But also, it's so interesting knowing you. I feel like you've been able to bring in the spirituality and this focus on women. You come from a family of many strong women, including your mom, right? And then also what you've learned about yourself um, and some of those money fears that you talked about, how you prolonged doing some of the things that you wanted to do um, for some time. So how have you been able to take all of those things into building the business? And maybe you wouldn't have been able to build it like that three years ago, right? Like all those experiences sort of created what you have now. So tell us a little bit more about like who you serve and, and how you're able to help women with their financial goals. Oh, yes. I love this. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, no, it definitely like, even since I started on this journey, and decided that I was going to grow a business. Like I have changed and evolved so much in the last three years as well, that you're absolutely right. Like I started out doing like, um, providing like projections and plans for women and then, um, doing some coaching with them, right. Educating yeah. them, which I loved, but I really, mm -hmm. yeah, been able to expand that. And I like to think of it like almost like a really holistic approach because it's not just about the numbers. It's never about the numbers. Honestly, like right. we use our money to support us in the life goals and the experiences mm -hmm. that we want to have. It's a tool. Um, but deeper than that, like I have learned that money is like our relationship with money is a reflection of our relationship with ourselves. And I can certainly tell mm -hmm. you three years ago, mm -hmm. my relationship with money was I don't deserve it. I got to work so freaking hard. If I want to do anything, I got to prove myself. Like I'm not worthy yeah. of having a successful business. Like all those limiting beliefs were like showing up right. left, right, and center. Yeah. And so absolutely like this journey has helped me to, to gain awareness and grow myself, but then also recognize like where, especially as women, we can often find ourselves um, like, the the criticalness the 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 self criticism or even just like the the downplaying of our abilities and our worth it's 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 very natural for us so what i what i've done is i've taken all that so the mindset the energy or like your way of being and also like the actual practicality of cash flow and you know how we want to allocate our funds and save for goals and i and i've brought all of those together so I, I, the way I like to say it is like, I love to help women create like mindful money flow because it's really, it's not so much oh, about how that. much money you bring in. Although yes, yeah. we all agree at a certain level, right? Like, I mean, just to have food and shelter, absolutely. Like we need to have a certain amount of money in our lives. But above that, it's really about like what we do with that money, how it flows mm -hmm. into us, through us. To others, especially as women, right? We, we, some of us can have a tendency to give it all to others and not necessarily even right. take care of ourselves. And so creating mindful money flow, and then also like expanding our capacity to receive. And I don't mm. mean like, oh, you know, let's everyone become millionaires. That, that word, right. it gets a lot of attention and a lot of hype, especially in marketing. Yeah. What I've come to learn is absolutely like, if that's, if that's your goal, great. But why? Like, what's the purpose behind the money? Mm. Like, what is it mm -hmm. you actually want to experience and what actually matters to you, right? Like what, what is it that you value and, and what is it that you specifically want to do? Not what, you know, the Joneses over there are doing or what you see others doing, but what is it that you actually want to do? And that clarity 
is such a big piece of it. And so what I like to say is like, I help, I help women awaken to their natural way of being. Like we are all abundant beings, all of us. Um, I help them awaken to what it is that they desire to experience because it's not always clear, right? We can get muddled. Oh, well, my partner wants this and my kids want this or like my mom needs this. But it's like, no, no, no. What is it that matters to you? What do you want mm-hmm. to experience? What do you want? Who do you want to become, right? What things do you want to right. learn? Um, and then also recognizing what's holding them back. So a lot, of the, a lot of limiting beliefs that show up, it's around that gap between where we are now and where we want to be. And so recognizing right. that and helping them to overcome that. And then aligning. This is my favorite part. We align, right? We, we help the, um, I like to help them, you know, come up with new empowered decisions and beliefs that are going to support them as they move forward. Mm-hmm. But it's not just mindset. Again, there's also the energy of who you're being and the space you're in, right? Our environment, who we're connecting with, that all matters and it all plays a role. Um, and then, and then, yeah, also helping them to really align with their values. I like to say values and goals or values and priorities, but really it's like, what's yeah. important to you and where do you, want right. to, where do you want to be doing in life? And then I'm all about like inspired action, not just any action, but I want it to, I want it to feel exciting and hopefully fun. Um, I like to make money fun whenever I can, because I, I can certainly take it too seriously. And I know many others can too, right? We give it so much so much meaning, but not in like a positive, empowered way. And so, you know, helping them to come up with a plan that's going to help them to achieve what it is that they want to achieve in a way that feels good to them. Because that's what I have found. I found that like there's a lot of cookie cutter strategies out there and I'm, I'm, I'm not dissing any of them. For certain people, they absolutely work. But I believe they were all you like very unique beings and the things that we desire and the things that we want to experience are unique. And so I feel like there's a way that you can have a framework, but that allows each and every one of us to flourish and thrive in our own way. Oh, my gosh. So much to unpack there. And um, I, I, I wish that I had worked with someone like you when I was younger. And actually, I think that this is fantastic for young adults. I think of my own daughters, too. And how important it is to really be able to ask ourselves those questions like, what are my values? What are the experiences that I want in my life? And how does the work that I do in this world and that I get money for that I'm compensated for, how do I choose to save or spend intentionally, right? right. It's always tied to something because um, I think that that's the work of redefining success or defining it at a very young age of what it is. And then making those choices that you said that just support and align. Um, that's amazing and so exciting. And so who who are your ideal clients? Do you find that People are coming to you later in life because they never learned these lessons and now they're like, okay, it's time. Or do you feel like you've got uh, enough of a following with young adults who are saying, gosh, I should probably figure this out before I start to make some big financial decisions? Yeah, great question. Um, It's actually those older in life. So I've, I've it 55 to 75 women in that in that range and many of them either have gone through a fairly large transition either like a Mm -hmm. change in career health um relationship change um and and maybe 
on their own for the first time figuring this stuff out. I know one of my first clients was my mother-in-law when my father-in-law passed in 2016. Mm. And like to the point where she didn't know passwords to get into bank accounts because he just handled it, right? And so um, I was so fortunate that I could be there, but then it was also really eye-opening for me too, right? Um, and, And I just, I have such such love for for that age group i guess like my mom's in that age group she's one of my best friends um for the incredible lives that they've already lived but the wisdom the wisdom in these women Mm -hmm. like i feel like i could just sit with them for days and lap it up and like learn and that sort of thing so for me it's just such a special um time in life and i know i'm like nowhere near that but i feel i feel like i can bring my my expertise, my knowledge, my wisdom, and then we can learn from each other for sure. But yeah, it's, it's women in that like 55 to 75 or older, like I'm like, right. it's not right. a specific time frame by any means, but who are maybe going through a transition or a shift, whether it's like literally just thinking about retirement as itself mm-hmm. or, you know, separating or now a widow um, wanting to change careers, but not necessarily retire in the traditional sense, which I'm all about breaking that box, but that could be another <laughs> discussion for another time. Um, so yeah, it's really, it's really that age, um, of women that, that I'm super, super passionate about and, and who seem to be drawn to me. Mm. Um, that's not to say like, I love helping. I also, you know, I do help some, um, some younger women who are solopreneurs, mm-hmm. you know, starting yeah. out, helping them to really set a strong foundation. So I guess like it's it's sort of the two, but 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 primarily, yeah, women women in their starting to really come into like those wisdom years. I feel like, um, and yet maybe having grown up where they weren't necessarily empowered financially, right. even even educationally, right, and being able to provide mm-hmm. them with super safe it's really important that the women I work with feel safe in our discussions um, and in, and in the space that we have together. And so helping them to feel really safe and heard um, and empowered, like, yeah, like there's so much in all of us that, that we don't, we don't often recognize our own worth and, and what we're capable of doing. And so I love helping, I love helping them see that in themselves. I can feel it with your energy. And I I am sure that you just reflect, you take that mirror and just shine it back on the folks that you're working with. So what is the best way for someone to work with you? Do they reach out to you on your website? Or um, I want to make sure that people who are listening and are excited and ready, how could they, uh, they, they work with you? Oh, thank you so much for asking. So you can certainly check out my website. It's, it's an it's time for some updates. It's got some older things on there, but um, my website is inspiringprosperity.ca. Um, and so that certainly if you want to just learn more about me and, and what I do, go ahead and go there. Um, we'll be doing some updates to that as I've, I've really come to, um, I'm really narrowing down my focus so I can, so I can really focus in on these women that I want to help. But um, my website um I'm not like great on social media, but I am on LinkedIn, Lisa Broom, CPACA, (laughs) and also Inspiring Prosperity is on LinkedIn as well. Um, But I mean, if if you want to, they can certainly just send me an email as well. um, If they just want to connect and just have a conversation, 
I'm more than more than happy um, to do that as well as I love I just I mean I love connecting with people. So if they want to email me, it's Lisa at inspiringprosperity.ca. I will include all of those things in the show notes. And you know, one of the other things when you and I caught up and talked about you coming onto this show, you um, you shared something with me that you haven't shared very broadly. And so um, I know that health and wellness is something that is very important to you. It's always been a huge part of your life. But um, we talked about whether or not you would share maybe something that recently happened that others could uh, learn from and could benefit from. So I just wanted to open it up and just see if you were willing to share a little bit of your story. Oh, absolutely. If, if anything that I've gone through can, can inspire or support or encourage someone else, I am happy. I'm happy to share. Um, so yeah, last year I, um, well, it was actually a couple of years ago during COVID that I noticed it, but I noticed a small little bump just below my left breast. Honestly, didn't think anything of it whatsoever. Um, and then in, gosh, what year was it? I guess in 2021, when I was seeing my a naturopath here, um, she just recommended I get it checked again. I was like, sure, why not? Anyway, turns out I ended up doing a biopsy and, and it did turn out to have what I like to call misbehaving cells. I'm not a huge fan of the cancer word just because of all the yeah. meaning that tends to be attached with sure. it. So for me, um, they did find some misbehaving cells that were no longer communicating with others. And so um, that was a big shock. I was 38 yeah. at the time. There's no history of breast cancer in my family. And I was like, what just happened? <laughs> um, yeah. And so it was a huge shock to the system for sure. Um, so grateful for all of the coaching and mindset work I had done up until that time, because I was able to be still quiet my mind, not all the time, but at certain moments when it mattered most. and. And my intuition kept telling me, Lisa, this is a gift. And I can tell you some days I was like, it's effing not a gift. This is like, I, I don't want to be dealing with this, right? Yeah. Um, but ultimately, it, it truly was because it helped me to see that, yes, I'd made some amazing changes in my life, but I still truly had never learned to put me and my needs first. And this gave me carte blanche permission. It was like, I needed something this jolting to tell me like you matter, you first. And, and, and in like, and so I stopped second guessing myself. I stopped not putting myself first. And I was like, this is what I need. And I literally started saying what I needed, telling people no, when it didn't align with what I knew was important with me. But that was like, and it was so hard to do. Like it was so hard to do. So like, I'm a very, I approach health and wellness from a very natural way. I do believe in our body's ability to heal, but I'm also very grateful for Western medicine. So I did, like, it was a balance for me, right? So I did have surgery. I had it removed. I'd never had surgery before, like going under and things like that. Like uh, I, had to, I had to bring all these amazing people into my life who could, who could hold that space for me when I couldn't hold it for me. Um, and so I had amazing support during that time. And then, you know, I don't know about in, in the U.S., but here in Canada, like breast cancer, doctors want to throw everything at it, which I totally appreciate. Like there are cases where absolutely that makes sense. 
but I got yeah. all the tests and they were saying low risk, low risk, low risk. So I was like, okay, low risk of reoccurrence, but you know, you still want me to do radiation and you still want me to take drugs that will likely put me into menopause. Although you won't actually tell me they'll put me into menopause. And I'm like, hang on a second, hang on. Like I, I sense that my life is going to be long and beautiful. It's like, what will support me going forward and what may actually negatively impact me long-term. And so again, after discussion with naturopath, um, my spiritual mentor, my mom, like I, I had this little, I guess, council of women that I went to um, for these things. And then I would sit with myself and be like, okay, what matters to me? Like, this is my health. This is my journey. What do I want to do? Not do the, what the doctors want me to do. Not what others think I should do. What do I want to do? And so it was probably the first time in my life where I literally like stood up and was like, no, no, thank you. But no, that's not the path I'm going to go, um, which was really hard at the time. Yeah. yeah. It, it's um, thank you for sharing because breast cancer is very common um, and it's common here in the States as well. And, um, and it is hard when we, rely on different, um, um, different people and areas of expertise to tell us what to do. But it sounds like you did some important things. You looked at all the information, you spoke to the right people, you listened to yourself and to your own body. And I also believe in our body's natural ability to heal as well. So um, how are you now? How's your health? Um, any new changes since then? Thank you for asking. Um, health is really good. It's it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint, uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, but no, my health is really good. I've got a I call it my Thrive Plan instead of a cancer care plan. I've got my Thrive Plan. I don't know for some reason language was really important for me in this journey. It is. Um, yeah. And so I've got my Thrive Plan, and so continuing to make those shifts and being like just super super aware of when. Um, you know, my body might be under under more stress than it needs to be. And I'd say nine times out of 10, it's all self-induced. And so it's really helping me to to take an even deeper look at my thinking and my beliefs about, mm -hmm. about life and especially about work, right? Like right. work hard, play hard. I get that. Um, and I can totally see seasons for that. But I had literally become to encompass like a always work hard, maybe play later. Yeah. yeah. And so this was like the wake up. I was like, no, like if I had a year to live and I did, like mm -hmm. I had to confront this, my husband and I right. had to confront this. It was one of the scariest things I've done. But like, if I were to go, like what, what is important to me? Like, where would I want to spend my time and energy? And it was like family, mm -hmm. friends and helping these amazing women. Right. Like that was it. That was it. So I was like, mm -hmm. okay, so like, nothing else in the grand scheme of things needs to be on my radar right now. Like this is what matters. It's uh, it's interesting hearing you talk. It just reminds me you've used the word alignment a lot and sometimes we naturally align and sometimes we just need a little bit of shifting or someone to sort of crawl us in. And it just feels like you've been able to take these experiences that were given to you several of them traumatic in and of themselves or very 
um, awakening and you used them for good to build the life that you want and to ask yourself those questions like, what do I want? What feels good? What matters most? What are the values? So I think that segues into the question that I want to ask you. Um, So the title of this podcast is Live the Width of Your Life. And I ask everybody um, this question at the end, but what does it mean to you to live the width of your life? And how are you doing that in your own life? Mm, Yes, I love this question. I gave it some thought yesterday because I was like, it's such a powerful question. And you and I have learned how important it is to ask powerful and empowering questions because the brain will come up with an answer regardless, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So what does it mean to live the width of my life? It means to live with purpose and intention and and to do the things that matter most. Absolutely. Um, To me, that just like you say width and I think like the expansiveness, like the ability to just like be in in a space that feels so good and so um, joyful and peaceful. And so for me, it's as much about how I'm being and how I'm feeling, even more so these days than what it is I'm like doing and accomplishing. Um, And so for me, yeah, the width includes a lot of how I'm being in in my in my life. and then what was the second part? And how are you doing that for yourself? Mm. Or maybe you've answered it. Yeah. 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 I would say like, for me, it's about asking those questions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, I, and I still do it and not in like a morbid kind of way at all. But it's like, Lisa, yeah. like, if you had a year to live, would you do this? And then I go, if you had five years to live, would you do this? Right. Gives, gives my brain a little mm-hmm. more horizon, but not too much. And in those two questions, I can really get clear on like, oh, yeah, this is important, but it's not a like this year thing or it's it's like if it's not on the five year radar for me now. Let it go, because it's not it's not as as like a priority in terms of like where I want to be spending my time, energy and or money right now. And so for mm-hmm. me, that's how, and I, and I mean, I don't do it perfectly by any means, but that's how I help myself to stay now in the moment while also, you know, looking to the future a bit. But it's helped me rein in my planning and my future casting where I would try to control it, where it's now it's like, mm-hmm. you know, how can I experience more now? Oh, gosh. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing all of your experiences, your wisdom, your amazing adventures of life. And I want to ask, um, how can we best serve you? How can we best support you? I'll definitely include your website and everything in the show notes, but anything else that you're working on that you want people to know about? Thank you for asking. Honestly, what's coming up for me now is if you know anyone who's, you know, waffling with like, a shift in career or life change or a health, a health crisis or a health journey. Or like if, if anyone who's listening to this, if you think of someone who you think would really be encouraged by this, like send them to this podcast because I have definitely gotten the most, Oh, I'm going to get emotional. I've gotten the most encouragement from others listening to them and their stories. And so that's my, that's truly my wish is if this can, if this can help support others and empower them and encourage them. Like if there's one thing I've learned, the fear won't go away, 
And I really don't want people to wait until the pain of where they are is like so uncomfortable that like they need to move. Like I'd love for people to be able to do it in a more empowered way. But I can also understand because that was my journey that sometimes, you know, the fear of the unknown is less painful than the pain you're experiencing. That's what causes us to move. So yeah, if any, if, if you feel anyone would benefit from hearing this, um, please share it with others. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you, my friend. I'm so grateful that the universe brought us together in the most interesting way and uh, that we have nurtured and maintained our friendship over the years. Um, I would encourage anyone who to work with Lisa. So I am so excited to be able to uh, introduce you to my community. And if you listened or watched today's episode, um, rate it, like it, share it, as Lisa said, with as many people as possible who could benefit from her story because there was a lot of wisdom shared today. And I wish you continued success. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute, absolute joy to be here. And yes, I'm so, so grateful for our friendship. Yeah, me too. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If today's conversation inspired you to dream again, break out of your comfort zones, or reflect on what it means to you to live more fully, then please follow this podcast because every week you'll hear more stories from people just like you who took imperfect action towards their goals, created more joy, and are living the life that they always dreamt of living.